Hello, everybody. It is Tim, one half of Horror Movie Yearbook, the podcast, the experience, the lifestyle. Uh, the other half, Willie, is not with me because this is the honor roll. You know how we do things here at this point, Raleigh? I don't know, whatever. Um, I'm a little tired this morning. I'm recording this in the morning, as I sometimes do. It's NBA and NHL playoff seasons plus the, uh, the CONCACAF World Cup late last night. The Seattle Sounders won it for the MLS. First time under this format, the MLS has won. I was up late, is what I'm telling you, because I also have a rat in my crawl space. Uh, according to the pest control person, rats, plural. So it's been quite the week. Here And plus, recently I've decided to become more engaged with the world around me, decided to start paying attention more to, like, news and all sorts of other current events and everything. I always have, but now I've decided, like, I'm going to get up every morning and read the paper, keep up with things, see how things are going in the country I live in. (laughs) What a mistake. So I'm tired. And most of it is of my own doing. But yeah, I gotta get these uh, gotta get these rats out of here. I'm gonna tell them the pest control guy is coming out. I'm gonna tell these rats like, listen, guys, they're gonna spray what they need to spray, put the traps or whatever they do. Uh, you guys gotta get out of here before this happens. I don't want you because we're gonna put netting up so you don't get back into my house, my crawl space. I'm gonna give them one last chance. Uh, I'm gonna talk to them. I'm gonna level with them. Maybe I'll leave a note to where they're digging into my house. And just let them know, you guys got a couple days, but you better leave the premises because I can't control what the what the Orkin man is going to do here. But, hey, that's not my problem. I can only do so much. We're not here to talk about my rat-infested house, though. We are here to talk about the honor roll, which is where I watch five movies and then take the ones that I really, really like and put them on my honor roll, which, by the way, you can access... By becoming a patron, patreon.com backslash MidwestPodNet, link to our Discord. I have been uploading my handy-dandy honor roll spreadsheet, which logs the movies I've watched, the horror movies I've watched, my ratings, and also which ones are on the honor roll, and also tracks the slasher search as well, which we'll get to a little bit later because it's back. But yeah, you can you can check that on patreon.com backslash MidwestPodNet. But yeah, five movies, I choose the ones, I review them, I talk about them <laughs> the ones i don't like at all i don't really review on this because i try I'm, I'm too nice probably but the ones i do like I'll, I'll talk about a little bit and then yeah i'll let you know which ones i think are very good worth your time no i don't even like saying that worth your time because i don't know what's i don't know what's worth your time maybe everything is worth your time i apparently have a lot of time so let's get started because i've got a rant coming on Virus 32. This is on Shudder. This is a Shudder exclusive. We've got a couple of those coming up. A rapid spreading virus which transforms people into intelligent, ultraviolet, extra-fast zombie hunters. After each wave of attack by the monsters, they are left incapacitated for 32 seconds while they recover their strength. Directed by Gustavo Hernandez. Written by Yuma Fare. Gustavo Hernandez, the story. Starring Rasid Cesar, Sofia Gonzalez, and Danielle Hendler. I guess I should, uh, as you can tell from the description, this is a zombie movie. This is a subgenre 
that apparently some people are still very tired of, I guess. I, there are still multiple reviews that say things like, oh, another zombie movie, or the tired zombie genre. And I don't know, I, I still like the subgenre. I think that you can always find a way to make zombie movies relevant and fresh and interesting, no matter the time period. So I guess I'm not the best judge of whether the subgenre is tired or not. Actually, you know what, I take that back. I am the best judge. And I'm going to do that right now. I'm not tired of zombie movies, and I don't think we get an overwhelming amount of them anymore. I'm not. I'm going to. I'm going to do a quick proving of my point through a very scientific and data-based approach right now. So I looked at Wikipedia, and I looked at the 2021 horror movies, and there are 23 movies listed on here. 2021, of course, was a year weird year, coming after 2020, and of those 23. Three of them are zombie movies. Army of the Dead, Resident Evil, the new one, which that's being pretty generous calling that a zombie movie, I know. And then a movie called Zombie Ready, R-E-D-D-Y, which is an Indian movie. So that's like just a little bit over 10%. 10% of movies. Let's do a different year. 2021, probably not the best example. Let's jump before 2020 to the last normal year before 2022. 2019 on Wikipedia. 43 movies, 43 horror movies. You know how many zombie movies I see on here? I'm going to let you take a guess. I'll wait. Zero. Zilch. Nada. None. So there. I think I've proved my point. We don't get enough zombie movies, is what I'm telling you. I'm tired of hearing stuff like this. I'm sick of it with non-horror movies, too. The the whole, they only make superhero movies now, right now, crap. This is a tough month. This is a tough month for those people, the people that go, oh, all you can see in the superhero uh, is superhero movies at the theater. April, oh, I guess we're out of April now, aren't we, as I record this. Whatever. When I wrote this, when I wrote out this screener, I jotted it down, I was in April. But it was a tough month with stuff like Everything Everywhere All at Once, uh, the Nick Cage movie, The Northman. I looked, I'm going to look at my local theater right now and uh, look at this. There are zero Zero. Zilch. Nada. No superhero movie being showed at my local theater right now, unless you count Sonic the Hedgehog 2. This will all change once this is released, because released in the main feeds, and you'll go, Tim, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. What are you talking about? This is a superhero movie. Well, guess what? Not while I was recording it. So... There's a the other thing I have to let people know. There is so much stuff to watch these days, and I hear that a lot too. It's like, oh, I'm so overwhelmed. What a what a problem to have. I'm so overwhelmed with things to watch. Oh, I can't. You just oh, there's just too much to watch. Just pick something. Just pick something to watch. Believe me, if you aren't in the mood for a superhero movie, a zombie movie, a zombie show, that's the other thing too. Is I know people will go, well, there's three Walking Dead shows on TV. I think only two now. One of them got canceled. The other one is about to end its run. There are three. Walking Dead shows on TV, like, that's a lot, right? Three zombie shows. And to those people, I have to say, these straw men that I have made up for this rant, I have to say, there are, I did, I counted them all, there are infinity things to watch out there. You can find anything you want to watch somewhere, if you have access to anything, streaming-wise. So there you go. And I would imagine, if you are listening to a podcast, you may have access to quite a bit of streaming opportunities. I trust that you can find something other than a zombie movie or a superhero movie to watch and spend your time with. Leave them to me 
who still enjoys zombies and superhero movies. Rant over. Virus 32. This is a pretty straightforward zombie flick that I liked a lot. Mainly because it's a pretty straightforward zombie flick. flick. These zombies share a lot in common. They're more like the rage monster types from like 28 days, 28 weeks later. I would say that is the most obvious influence on Virus 32. I would also say Wreck, the original Wreck, with its combined spaces. There's also a little bit of Train to Busan in here as well with the focus on the parent and child relationship at the center of the movie. That's something I want to talk about really quick because it's a theme that has been repeated in the f- a few times in the first qu- quarter of 2022 as we get into May and into the summer in horror and outside of horror as well. The theme of parents in horror's case, mothers, with movies like A Banquet, Hellbender, but the feeling, the theme of parents feeling guilt or overwhelming dread with the realization that they have brought a child into a world that the child didn't ask to be brought into and quite honestly is not exactly a utopia and they have been forced into protecting them and in some cases apologize for the world that they were brought into or maybe even make amends for past mistakes on there. And there's an article, uh, there was an article on Vox recently by Emily St. James, and I'm going to read a section of it right now because I think it applies to Virus 32 and some of the aforementioned horror movies as well. It's about what she refers to as the millennial apology fantasy, and it's mainly focused on a couple of recent non-horror movies, Everything Everywhere All at Once and Turning Red, the Disney Pixar movie. But here is a snippet from what St. James wrote in her article. Instead, they are stories where the parent has to realize how badly they've treated their child. The ability to heal intergenerational trauma lies at least in part with that parent, and as the film wraps up, they take real steps to doing so. Usually as the child realizes that the trauma did not originate with their parent, but much further up the family tree. Better able to understand each other, the parent and child end the film with a better relationship. There you go. I think that's that applies to Virus 32, and that is... I guess it's a little more common right now, it seems to be. That is a theme that has been repeated throughout. I mean, it's a very human human idea, human theme. So without giving too much away, well, this isn't a... That section that I just read isn't a perfect one-to-one example. It does mirror the journey that mother and daughter take in this movie. I want to highlight the lead performance of Paula Silva in Virus 32 as she is she's the glue that holds this movie together. When we are introduced to her Iris, she's at a low point in her life. She's at home day drinking, not being a responsible parent to her daughter Miriam, and she's a tough character to find any sort of empathy sympathy for in the beginning. But the more we learn about her and her journey, the softer those edges become. And she she plays a big role in that cuz she's she's fantastic in this. The movie's at its best when it focuses on the relationship between the parents parents and their children that's what makes a great zombie movie and i think most people that are zombie fans it's, it is the zombies but because everybody loves zombie man who are we kidding but it's it goes beyond the zombies as well this is this is a more of a character study i think it the zombies are fine but they're more of an outside threat than anything we don't get a ton of explanation for them and that's okay i'm totally okay with that i do think we maybe could have i could have maybe used a little bit more explanation on the 32 seconds part of the zombies the the fact that you it seems to kind of it kind of came and went for me and in fact i i kind of forgot about it but i don't think that's handled the best it also this movie takes a detour in the middle of it where I wasn't sure where it's going. It does come back around in the end, but it also features some pretty shoddy CG 
but even that CG does lead to a scene where a zombie tries to eat a baby. So there's that. Uh, so you, you take the good with the bad. You take them both, and there you have. So I also, that detour it takes does end up working out in the end thematically more than anything as it relates to what our main character goes through throughout her journey. So, Virus 32, is it on the honor roll? And yes, I like this a lot. It is a zombie movie, so if you are one of those select few that are, that is just fed up, tired of the three zombie movies we've we've got in the last couple of years. Maybe people maybe people know Tubi better than I do, but there's probably a ton of them. Maybe some of those clown movies on Tubi are like clown zombies, but I assume if you're watching those, you like zombie movies. So anyway, this is on the honor roll. I liked it a lot. It's on Shudder now. You can check it out if you, especially if you are in the mood for a zombie flick, something like a 28 Days Later. It's it's, it's really good. Also on Shudder now, the seed, which is not just a terrific song by the Roots, but it's also a movie that is about what starts out as a girl's, and it was an awkward transition, <laughs> what starts out as girls weekend away in the Mojave Desert becomes a tale of horror, death, and alien invasion as, as it happens. Directed by, written and directed by Sam Walker, starring Lucy Martin, Chelsea Edge, and Sophie Vavasor. That's a great last name. Uh, social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all of these things. They've rewired our brains. A lot of this can be traced back to a little over a decade ago, I think like, yeah, I think like 13, 15 years ago, I don't remember, that's when Facebook introduced the like button. Then, in response, Twitter introduced the retweet function, which then led in turn, led Facebook to create the share function. So these features became pretty standard across social media platforms, and they allowed users to kind of they to endorse a post and amplify it out to their followers. Uh this was a this was a terrible thing. I think we can all agree with this unless you're retweeting horror movie your book on Twitter. This overall has been a bad thing for humanity, but what it did on the back end is probably just as concerning rather than the whole <laughs> terribly concerning misinformation aspect of it. And that's what the the seed, the movie, attempts to engage with. What the like buttons do is they gather data about what content best engages you online. And then companies like Facebook and Twitter, they use that data, data to generate more content and more rever- revenue and develop algorithms to bring you more of that sweet, sweet content. There's a, It's a basically reward and punishment aspect to it as well. In the seed, the three women have traveled to the Mojave Desert, which is actually Malta. And honestly, does a pretty bored job of standing in for a desert, but whatever. They've traveled to the Malta Desert in order to live stream a meteor shower, meteor shower that is going to, not a media shower, that is going to occur that weekend while they are staying in an extravagant home by the father of one of the women. The women are, they're chasing likes. They aren't particularly concerned with the actual meteor shower at all. They aren't scientists. They're therefore the engagement as we all are the game of chasing likes and retweets it doesn't matter in this game what your pre- your true preferences are it's it's the rush of becoming internet famous and going viral i i've i felt it too i'm not going to lie i mean i've i've had like jokes i mean things go out and get tons of like, uh, not tons of like, not like in the, but like enough more likes than normal. And I go, Oh, that feels good. I'm on a roll. But at the end of the day, they do nothing for you 
at all, really, other than self-promotion. So when a meteor, when this meteor, it crash lands on the property, it contains a strange creature. It's that same thrill of the chase for internet fame that leads them into the clutches of something more dangerous. The three women now are caught up in something bigger than them. Only one of them is knowingly conscious of the effect the algorithm of the alien is having on them, and that is the one character who isn't on social media. So you can kind of see what this movie is trying to say. It's all pretty on the nose, but once the movie gets moving, once the seed gets moving, it's got a Lovecraftian kind of Brian Yuzna charm to it, and that's when it begins to shine. I'm, I'm talking mainly about Yuzna, his society. It's the main inspiration, and the sex scenes, the quote unquote sex scenes in the seed, they mix Lovecraftian cosmic horror with the melty, orgiastic body horror of society. There is more than one scene in this movie that recalls the shunting in that movie. (laughs) And everybody loves the shunting. The movie spends a lot of the first half trying to figure out what the characters want to do with the creature, including one scene that with a gardener that is takes forever, honestly, and it is more eye-rolling than it is humorous, but they eventually agree that it's best to bring the creature inside, thinking it's a wounded animal. The first of the trio that is affected by the creature is Deidre, the social media influencer who becomes hypnotized and begins acting strangely, leading to her fellow social media-obsessed partner becoming lost inside of what is almost like another realm brought upon by contact with the creature itself. The makers of the seed believe that social media alters your consciousness, that it turns you into a zombie, existing only to do what it wants you to do, get caught up in the algorithm, and experience what it wants to what it wants you to experience. And the last 30 minutes or so of this movie are an absolute blast when it delves into that cosmic body horror that I'm talking about. The effects in the seed, the special effects are mostly practical and they shine as the characters are sucked deeper and deeper into into the creature. It's bloody and gooey. It's great down the home stretch. That's all in the second half of the movie. Where the seed really struggles though is in its setup. Ironically though, the main trio of women in the movie women in the movie are thinly defined, much like how you would be on social media, where the where they would present a version of themselves like they do rather than the real thing and their chase for likes and retweets. Now, granted, this might be purposeful in some ways, but it doesn't lend itself well to a first half that is more character-focused like this movie has, as these aren't people the audience would... You don't necessarily want to spend a lot of time getting to know these people. The Seed is a backloaded movie, but man, that backloaded... That back half is really good. There's probably a very good and more focused lean movie in here, where it would feel less like a stretch, a short stretched out to a feature, as the characters are presented aren't quite enough to justify the runtime of 90 minutes. But man, I really did like the last probably half hour to 45 minutes of this movie. And it does have some stuff to chew on with its critique of the rabbit hole-like effects of social media and the way it delivers showcasing those effects with its practical effects, special effects, down the home stretch. It overcomes the unevenness of the first half, but not enough for me to put it on the honor roll. I did like it. I do think it's worth a watch, especially if you're in for something a little weirder. The Cursed. This was a rental. This is out to rent now. Came out in theaters a couple months ago, I believe, in rural... That's a tough one. There's a great 30 Rock joke. I can't even say 30 Rock, right? Where Tracy Morgan's character makes... Or is it Tracy Morgan? Or Yeah, I think it's Tracy Morgan makes a character... No, I think it's... I don't remember who it is, but one of the characters makes a movie called The Rural Juror, 
the rural juror, and you can't say the name. Nobody can say the Bob's, and nobody can say the name correctly. So, in rural 19th century France, a mysterious, possibly supernatural menace threatens a small village. John McBride, a pathologist, comes to town to investigate the danger and exercise some of his own demons in the process. Written and directed by Sean Alex, starring Boyd Holbrook, Kelly Riley, and Alistair Petrie. I got a Hammer Studios kick, a Hammer Studios kick this past Halloween, and there are certain trademarks in a Hammer movie that are, in a lot of them, not in all of them, but a lot of Hammer Studio flicks. There's one in particular where an investigator comes into town to look into a mysterious set of circumstances, with, usually within a gothic village. That's pretty much what exa- what happens in The Cursed with John McBride filling in for the role of, usually reserved for Peter Cushing in those old Hammer movies. It's very obviously inspired by Hammer the Cursed, which should have kept its much better and more Hammer evocative name of Eight for Silver, but instead t- changed it to the very dr- generic The Cursed. It wears its Hammer inspirations on its sleeves in other ways as well. It's European setting, it's revenge of the repressed plot, there's some sex and nudity. It's not quite late era Hammer in that department, but it's there. It does put its own twist on the proceedings though, especially in the first act with what might be the highlight of the movie, which is an unbroken long take that sees an invading French force destroy a village to seize the land from the the Roma, or as they refer to them, and we'll get into it later, the gypsies that inham, inhabit it. It's a brutal scene. It ends with one of the women of the tribe being buried alive while her husband has his limbs cut off and is stuffed and mounted to serve as a scarecrow and a warning for those who may try to settle the land in the future. The opening attack sets up the majority of what the film, what's on the film's mind for the next 90 minutes or so. There's a quote from Robert Eggers, the director of The Witch and the Northmen recently, where he was asked if he would ever make a movie in modern times, to which he responded, no thank you, and that he finds every other time period more interesting rather than the one we are living in right now. That's what he said. First of all, whatever, dude. Very edgy. But I like Robert Eggers, I like his movies, and they do what good period pieces should do, which is not just portray the time period they are set in, but speak to modern times as well. Now, some of that is just because we as humans share similar problems and issues no matter the time period. There's a story that kind of continues throughout these times. But, and that may very well be the case with the curse and its take on colonialism and the focus on humans' blinding need for control. But it also speaks to a lot of what's going on in the world right now. The movie once we get past the at first extraneous feeling prologue, jumps back 35 years prior to Seamus Laurent, a land baron, who upon the endorsement of village elders leads a slaughter of Roma settlers who have laid claim to a portion of his land. The night prior, and sensing danger, the leaders inside the clan of Romas set aside a set of silver wolf's fangs for protection, and the woman who is buried alive with these fangs clutched in her hand. I talked about her a little bit earlier and it's from there that things start to pop off the children of the village begin to have nightmares of the scarecrow and the fangs and then they go on to actually find the scarecrow and dig up those silver fangs illuminating the sort of original sin of the village and also unleashing a beast upon the village this is without giving too much away and i'm going to steer clear of specifics as we get into it this is a kind of sort of werewolf picture as well which oddly enough hammer didn't delve into that much i think they really only made one or two maybe just one but you could kind of tell from that brief description what we're dealing with 
thematically. A force, the settlers, making claim of a land that they believe they have been gifted, if you will, and driving a neighboring group from it with unflinching force and attempting to use it as a message to others who might define, defy them and a message to what they plan on doing down the road. What they don't take into account is while they are able to slaughter and overcome the Roma people through sheer force, they're ignorant of their culture, which leads to a sort of morality tale that plays out. It doesn't just end with that attack. It continues on, and it parallels a lot of what we're seeing in the world right now. And what we've seen in the past with a lot of wars. Uh, but yes, uh, I'm, I'm thinking of stuff like, yeah, I'm, I mean, obviously, with a, I was trying to, but Russia, Ukraine going on right now, the Vietnam War, war in Afghanistan. But yes, they go on, they even go, they go on to, they refer to them, the Roma people as gypsies, as a way to other them. It's, it's that self-justifying sense of mission, the dehumanization of the other, the violent imposition of dependency. Those are all attributes to the colonial impulse. So the cursed has another thing on its mind, and it's kind of similar to a lot of recent horror that we talked about and also virus 32, which we, I talked about a little bit earlier. It's the effect that the sins of the past have on the younger generation. These things take their toll. The curse presents it in a fantastical horror movie way with its shared nightmares and its silver wolf dentures. But there is something very real at the center of it, which is the children that are, that are young now will learn from us. And they are going to be the ones left picking up the pieces for what we do now. And that is not, you don't just have to apply that to wars and conflicts, but they are the ones that are going to have to yeah, pick up the pieces after we're gone. This is what I really liked about the curse. These two things. I didn't like everything about it. I have to call out what I've uh, called the blur attacks because they're, they're pretty unforgivable. Honestly, what I'm talking about here is in the movie, when the creature is attacking, the camera starts shaking and these weird blurry lines appear on the screen. It's to signify chaos and movement. But they, what they really signal to me is a lack of confidence in the effects, which is too bad because while I don't think they are top quality special effects, I do... I, I do think there's one sequence in the middle that's evocative of Carpenter's The Thing where the practical effects really shine. I don't I don't think the CG is particularly good, but I don't think it's so bad that it would sink the movie either. So the blur effects actually make it worse for me. I don't want to harp on them too much because I always try not to hold a film's budget against it, but the attack scenes, they did hurt the movie for me and they took me out of it as a choice more than anything. But uh, to wrap it up, is this on the honor roll? Yeah, I'm going to put Cursed on the honor roll as well. So it's going to join Virus 32 so far this episode. It's going to be on the honor roll. I like this a lot. I can see this making my top 10. It has a lot to say about its time and the world we live in and just humanity in general. So the curse is good. It's out now. All right, we got to get, we got to keep things moving here. Let the wrong one in. A young supermarket worker discovers his older brother is a vampire and has to choose whether to help him or slay him. Written and directed by Connor McMahon. No relation to Vince or Shane. Starring Carl Rice, Ewan Duffy, and Anthony Stewart Head. Tony Stewart Head. This is a uh, this is an Irish horror movie. I've been covering these a lot. There's Irish horror. We've talked about the Renaissance. There's a Fangoria article I'll point people to that I think gives a pretty good. I'm not. I did it on the last episode of this. Kind of recommended to my current Irish horror, recent Irish horror movies. But there's a Fangoria article that recommends nine of them. Let the wrong one in is included on that. But if you're looking to dive into some recent Irish horror movies, I think that Fangoria article does a nice job of highlighting some you should check out. So yeah, Irish horror movies. I went to Dublin a few years back. Great city. 
But there's a great line in this movie that kind of sums up some of Dublin because a lot of bars, a lot of nightlife. And it says, that's all this country needs, more bleeding vampires. I think it's Anthony Stewart Head that says that. But yeah, Boys from County Hell, Shaun of the Dead, the Bacchus art and the title, the poster are all very cheeky. They make it look like a straight parody, but this is a pretty, this is pretty, it's not really a parody. It, it references movies, but it doesn't go overboard on those references. It grew on me throughout. Comedy is subjective. This is a very silly movie, but like I said, it isn't a slave to its references. It doesn't overdo things. There's a great scene though in the middle that recalls Evil Dead for sure. And another thing that reminded me of Evil Dead in this movie is there is a ton of blood in it. An absurd, comedic amount of blood. And I very much appreciated that. The core relationship between the three major players, the mother and her two sons, and how they relate to each other, it's there. It's a story about helping a family member through addiction in some ways. And I think it's there if you want it. I don't think it's overdone. I don't think it harps on it, and I think it's it mostly commits to its silly tone. And I think a movie as silly as this, I think it's best to go that route. The supporting cast. The the women in this movie are a blast. Anthony Stewart Head, who, by the way, I did not realize is an actual. I knew he sang on Buffy, of course, Giles from Buffy. But he's put out an album, I think a couple, couple covers. Um, I think his cover of Behind Blue Eyes from Buffy is on the album, just go to his website. I did not realize that. He does not get to sing in this one. But he's in this. He's, I wouldn't call him an extended cameo. I think he is a supporting actor in this movie. I was thinking it was going to be more of one of those he's in it, but not really things. But he he plays a pretty decent role in this, and he's good in it. So he brings it, and that's nice because he could have checked out. But he doesn't. This is a story, though. The main vampire is an addict. His mother has shunned him. His brother knows that he needs help. But, like I said, first and foremost, comedy doesn't overpower that. But uh, there are there are some, like, fart jokes in it. <laughs> I don't know. I laughed. It's a pretty low-budget movie. I actually think this is one of those movies, though, where the lack of budget is part of its charm. Kind of its shaggy charm. Shaggy is a good word for it, actually. It probably goes on a beat or too long. It's also a pretty sophomoric. Mileage may vary when it comes to how funny you find the things in it, like the fart jokes and the blood splatter. I tend to find those things funny. Evil Dead, another good comparison here, too, because Evil Dead, of course, is inspired by Three Stooges. I think this is this is more more of that than it is something like Shaun of the Dead. And you should, oh, just a fair warning, you should probably watch this movie with the subtitles on because I learned some new Irish words while doing it, like all, what was it, all, I wrote it down, all one, which is like a word for, I think, like old lady, all one. So watch the movie because there are some some thick accents in this bad boy. But I am actually going to put this one on the honor roll too. I've been in the mood for a horror comedy, and this is fun. I don't know if it's as good as some of the more recent Irish horror movies that have come out. And like I said, mileage may vary, but you know what? It worked for me and I enjoyed my time with it. So yeah, I am going to put let the wrong one in on the outer roll. It's slasher search time. We have returned. I found what looked like a slasher and then, then ended up not being really a slasher, but has enough slasher elements that I'm going to count it. And that is the rust 
belt driller. Red Maxwell seems to have everything going for him. He has a manager that cares. He's good enough at his craft, visual art, to have private gallery screenings. He seems to live in a nice-looking house and have a committed, streetwise, and beautiful partner in Carol. By the way, this description is written by the writer of the movie, Aaron Krieger on IMDb, so I want to credit him here. This is not me that wrote this. He does a nice job with this. But Ren has followed all has been followed all his life by something dark. And now with the chaos of the modern world and his own inner horrors, that evil has finally gotten close enough to reach out and touch. What follows in the next few days will paint the city of Buffalo, New York. Will paint the city of Buffalo, New York. I copy and pasted that, so that's not my mistake there. Uh, A whole new canvas, mostly flowing red. That is a good job, Mr. Krieger. Directed by... David R. Williams and Tilkey Hill, written by Aaron Krieger, starring Aaron Krieger, Jillian Gertz, and Veronica Knightley. So this is a Tubi. This is on Tubi for free. I needed something that looked like a slasher movie because I want to do the slasher search again. I've talked about this in the past. I'm going to go through and score it on a scale of 1 to 10 in five categories. And then at the end of the year, I've talked about this. We've got the big ones. We've got We've had X, we've had Texas Chainsaw Massacre, we've had Scream. We've talked about how there's a new slasher boom occurring before our very eyes. But you got You can't just have the big ones like that. You've got to have a deep bench, like I say. So that is what the slasher search is. It's an attempt to find out who will be crowned the king of the other slashers. This movie, real quick, a quick review. I Not for me, in a lot of ways. I'm not going to put it on the honor roll. It does play with some very interesting ideas. I think there's some decent effects. It's not so much a slasher, so it gets into more psychological horror as it goes on. There are elements of a slasher early. That's why I'm going to go through and do the scores, and you'll some of my feelings will come out during this. But overall, it's on Tubi now, and you can check it out if you are so inclined. But it, I did not put it on the honor roll. So let's start with Backstory. The first category here. So Ren is a struggling artist looking for inspiration. The drill part of this is he's he's kind of hungover in the middle of the day one day, and he sees an infomercial for a drillinator on television. And caution, there will be spoilers for this. So he's having hallucinations and visions, and he's reached his breaking point due to the modern world. Sounds like me uh, keeping up on things. Uh, but it's crumbling around him as well. All the strife of current events. It's all pretty relatable. I I like that it ties into the, I actually, yeah, I like that the movie ties in the pressures of capitalism and the, the gig economy, the art of the, trying to make it in the art world as your main source of income. At the end of the day though, when it comes to his back, sorry, he is a struggling artist type. And me personally, I'm always going to knock them down a point or two. Get a real job. You bum. I'm joking. I'm joking. Quit being a drain on the economy. All right, so I'm going to give it a score of four. He's going to get a four on backstory. It's fine. I like, like I said, I like how it ties into... I like how he's having kind of a, a breakdown due to the world around him. Motive. He's essentially killing people for artistic inspiration, from what I gather. He's using them for an art installation later in the movie. He's not really killing them either, though. He, I don't know. This stuff is murky, and I think that's on purpose. His motive, I guess you could compare, you can compare this movie, and I do not think, I'm not calling it a ripoff because I'm sure they had this idea, but it, it's very similar to the new Candyman, and I'm, yeah, I'm not implying anything there. I'm sure they've had this idea for a while, but he's also, he's killing because these outside forces are telling him to. 
he's also getting off on it towards the end as a motive. There's a sexual element. The whole thing, yeah, a very, very, like, God told me to, these forces telling me to. I'm going to go 4.5 on the motive. It's fine. It's not bad. Kills. This is probably the highest score this movie will get. There's some good stuff here. I like a good driller killer, honestly. Slumber Party Massacre, of course, the driller killer. There's also a woman who he doesn't really kill. He just puts, like, fingers in her eyes. The filmmakers really like that effect because they linger on it a few times, and I like it too, so they're right. The drill really lets you zoom in and linger on the gore. I will say there is one kill in particular in this movie where the woman's head is not even close to the size of her real head. It's like the prosthetic head. The fake head is not even close to the side of the real head. And it's not great. They could have done a little better, better job on that. But overall, I'm going to go seven on the kills. I think it's the strongest aspect of the movie. Victims. These are the people, the characters. Because every slasher's got to have a group of victims. And these are just people that kind of annoy him throughout various stages in his mental collapse. The bride, he, who he stuffs the fingers in, and she's kind of like a bridezilla type. She does not respect his art. She's there for to get a wedding photo painted, I guess. I don't know. The thing is, the movie flirts with being a slasher earlier than isn't really a slasher at all. There are a few moments where he seeks people out to kill, but they mostly come to him. This also has a pretty low victim count. It's Like I said, it's mostly just people who irritate him, and I get that, but I'm going to go three here. Nothing strong. Looks and appearance, so his attire. He's mostly dressed up in a white t-shirt, jeans, and black shoes. He's got long hair and a beard. He's he kind of looks, he looks like a writer. He looks like a film blogger. I mean, I did, I mean that, that's what, and he's a right. he is a writer, so he looks the part. He looks like a struggling artist, so good for him. I mean, I did like that there's a scene where the drillinator itself starts to become a part of him, like he's Tetsuo, or it's like Videodrome or something, or even, yeah, I, the new Candyman a little bit, but that was cool, and I thought it looked good. All things considered, it's not a it's not a huge budget movie, but I, I thought the drill looked cool, and I, I kind of wish the movie would explore it a little bit more. I'm gonna go six for look. He's appropriately grimy for this type of movie, for, which is an Abel Ferreira throwback and kind of a grindhousey kind of. I've called these things kind of like Kindle Unlimited horror, but I'm gonna give him a six for look. I think it was good enough. So, so that's gonna bring the killer Ren. What was it again? Ren Brown, not Ren Brown. Ren Maxwell, two, a total score of 24 and a half. So if you want to know where that lands him, because I'm not, I forgot to do it before I recorded, check out patreon.com backslash Midwest Podnet. You'll get a link to our discord and you'll get a link to my Excel document, which I'll update later after I'm done recording here because I'm coming up on 40 minutes. Again, I've rambled enough. So there you go to recap on the honor roll three movies this time. It was a good week. The cursed let the wrong one in. And what was the other one at the beginning? Oh, Virus 32. And I liked the seed as well, but not enough to put it on. I don't think it would make my top 10, and that's kind of my qualification for this as movies that I think have a chance to hit my top 10 at the end of the year. So there you go. That is the honor roll for this week. If you are a patron, thank you very much. We do appreciate it here at the Midwest Podnet. If you're not a patron, thank you for listening. And consider only a dollar a month. There you go. Uh, We will be back. I'll be back next time with five new movies. I think that's it. Uh, Yeah, I'm not going to recap where everything stands because this is me caught up with it through April now. I'm not going to recap. If you want that, 
you can check out my spreadsheet that I've talked about. So thank you everybody for listening and I'll see you next time.